perfectly well. It was, it was really fun and a lot bigger than we expected. Um, and I just want to thank everybody who came out just to, just to be there even. Um, you being there just attracted more people to be there. And I want to thank everybody who donated anything um, for the silent auction or otherwise. Um, anyone out who came out to drive cars for us. Um, yeah, and anyone who just generally just gave us money to help put the event on. Um, and a cool thing that happened with the car show, like beyond us raising the money that I'm about to tell you we raised, it was just an awesome opportunity for all of us to interact with our community. And there was just a lot of people who said, wow, these people here, they were just so nice. Like, it was just such a great way for us to interact with the Interkip. So thanks for coming out and thanks for doing that. So how much did we actually raise? We raised $6,741.40. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So thanks, everyone, to, for helping us, this, our youth team, the 17 of us that are going to go to Moldova this summer. Um, you are truly a part of what we're doing over there for Jesus. So thank you so much. Yeah, so normally this would be where Chris would come up, um, but Chris is not here today. So I'll take a, a go at this. Um, yeah. <laughs> So this, this is a message that I've, I feel like I've had on my heart since I got here. And for those of you who don't know who I am, I am Brennan. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, started like two and a half years ago, and this message has just been inside of me since then. So I hope you guys enjoy the next three hours as much as I do. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Exodus 3, 1 to 10. Yep. Oh, there it is. So one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am, the, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of, my, of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. So this is Moses being called by God. This is a huge moment. He's, God's asking him to lead his people out of the hands of the Egyptians. The Bible is filled with these moments of people being asked to do huge monster tasks for God. So we got Moses, and then we got Noah building the ark, or Gideon being called to lead an army, or David being anointed as king. These were all these big tasks for these people to take part in with God. And that's often how we can think about life. We can think that, hey, God's put me here for this, this one thing, this moment where my life is just leading up to this 
one thing I've been created to do, this one thing. But that's not always how it is with God. It's not always just about this one big thing that you've been created to do. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So right there it says, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And these things, these aren't things that we do so that we can gain favor with God. It's not tick a box and you get into heaven. These things we do because Jesus loved us and he has changed our lives and it's an overflow of a changed heart that we go out and do these things. So God doesn't just call us to that one moment or to a role like a mom, a dad, an employee, a boss, or being up here on stage. It's not just this one moment in our lives. I 100% believe that he does call us to those things, and I feel called to do this right now. But what we're going to talk about today is that if, if we only were called to this one moment, just that one moment in time that we've been placed on this earth for, that would leave us with a lot of time where we don't have a purpose. Because you'd either be living before that moment, and you're just waiting for that moment to come, you're living in it, or it's in the rearview mirror, and it's over. But what we're going to talk about today is how we are called to all the moments in between. God has called us to the little things in life, the everyday, the everyday ordinary, to make everything we do into one big God-glorifying task. We're called to live with purpose. So there's a few things that we can learn from Moses' story about calling and about purpose. And just to recap a little bit of Moses' story for you, for anyone who's forgot or has never heard it before. So Moses was a Hebrew. Um, he was born in Egypt, and he was born at a time when the Hebrews were slaves to the Egyptians. The Egyptians were using the Hebrews to just build their kingdom. And at the time Moses was born, the Pharaoh... Um, there was a lot of Hebrews. He was getting a little afraid that maybe the Hebrews would overthrow them and take everything that they had. So he passed out a decree that said every male Hebrew, um, you need, we needed to kill him, all the babies. But Moses' mother, obviously, she didn't want to do that. So she set him in a basket in the Nile, and Moses floated down the Nile and was picked up by the princess, Pharaoh's daughter. So our first point here about Moses' story and about our story is that you are positioned. So Moses, he was an Egyptian. He was raised as an Egyptian in the house of Pharaoh, educated as an Egyptian, built relationships with people in the palace. And I've always found it pretty interesting. Later on in Moses' story, he, get, he goes into Egypt, and he's in the palace talking to Pharaoh. And Moses is a shepherd. A shepherd gets to go talk to the Pharaoh of Egypt. That doesn't make much sense that a, a Pharaoh, that a Pharaoh would talk to a shepherd wouldn't happen. But it's more than likely that they knew who Moses was. Moses had relationships with these people. He was perfectly positioned to be the guy to go in there and demand that God's people be set free. So Moses was an Egyptian. Moses was also a Hebrew, like we just talked about. And who better to lead the Hebrews than a Hebrew? And thirdly, Moses was a shepherd. So he was a nomad. He lived in the desert after he left Egypt. He learned to go from place to place, find food, find water. And it was the desert that Moses ended up leading the people, the Hebrews, into and around for 40 years. So he knew how to live in the desert. So Moses, the Egyptian, the Hebrew, 
and the nomad. He was perfectly positioned for what God had in store for him. And it's cool that nothing Moses went through, his time in Egypt, his time being a Hebrew, and that he lived in the desert, which he probably thought was quite purposeless, um, nothing was wasted. God used all of it, all of his experience God used. Romans 8.28 says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. So could God have used someone else to reach these people? 100%. Absolutely. God can do whatever he wants, but he didn't. God used Moses and all of his experiences because Moses was God's masterpiece. We talked about in Ephesians a second ago. And the same goes for us. God has positioned you and I perfectly. Everything that we've gone through up until this point, God's wanting to use for his glory. Need a water break. So just like Moses, no one can reach the people in your world the same way that you can reach them. No one can influence the people in your world quite the way that you can influence them. For example, so I'm a youth pastor here. Some of you send your teenagers to me. I can influence them, but I cannot influence them in the same way that a mom or a dad can influence them. I can still do it, but not quite the way that God has designed you to influence them. Or if you're a grandparent, same thing. I can't influence them in the way that a grandparent can. Or if you're somebody's friend, I can't influence them in the way that a friend can. God wants to use these relationships. He wants to use where you are, where you're positioned. So where has God positioned you? How does God want to use you right now, this afternoon? Not how will God use you when conditions are perfect, but how does God want to use you today. Because I can tell you this, God wants to use you in a special and an amazing way to bring glory to him. God wanted to use Moses to set his people free, and God wants to use you to bring his kingdom into every area of life. And God said this to Moses. He said, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. It's reached my ears. I've heard it, and I'm sending you to them. And God's people were so precious to him in that story so long ago. And God's people are, are just as precious to him now. And he's saying the same thing. I've heard the cry of my people, and I'm sending you to them. And you're positioned to do that. So we go forward a bit in the story of Moses, and he's getting a bit jumpy. He's getting a bit jumpy at the thought of being sent back to Egypt for God back to a place where the Egyptians didn't like him because he killed one of them, so he fled. And the Hebrews didn't like him because they saw him kill one of the Egyptians. So he has to go back to this place that he left the Hebrews and the Egyptians on bad terms. So we pick it up in Exodus 4. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed its tail, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. 
So God asked him, what is that in your hand? And what did Moses have in his hand? He had a staff. Why did Moses have a staff? Because Moses was a shepherd. This is, it's pretty simple. He was a shepherd, so he had a staff in his hand. This wasn't a special staff that he was walking around in the desert one day, saw it on the ground, and was like, wow, this is a neat stick. I'm going to pick it up. Probably possesses magical qualities that will help me to turn it into a snake or part the water or draw water from rocks like he did with, like God used it later on. No, it was just what he had because it was who he was. Moses had a staff because he was a shepherd. And there's nothing special about it. Not at all. God uses sticks. He uses sticks to make things happen. So what do you have in your hand? What comes natural to you? What do you already have? And it's easy, like Moses, we underestimate what we already have because it's, it's just normal. But in God's hand, it's anything but normal. So what's in your hand? And how can we figure out what's in our hand? What comes natural to you? What do you do? What do you do every day? Where are you? Are you a teacher? Are you a parent? Are you a husband or a wife? Are you in school? Where are you? What do you have? What we have often seems insignificant. The gifts we have often seem insignificant. But if you're great at connecting with people, you might not think that's a gift, but if you're great at connecting with people, maybe you should be a life group leader. If you're great at connecting people with people and you work in the service industry, you have this tiny window of time with tons of people every day and way more people every week that you can speak into their lives because you're able to build relationships really quick. Are you great with kids and teens? Probably should volunteer at youth. Are you an awesome mom or dad who might be able to help other parents learn to disciple their kids better? Help them out and maybe volunteer at youth as well. That'd be good. (laughs) But what we have often seems insignificant. How can God use my gifts? How can God use my job? How can he use me as a parent or a friend? But it isn't insignificant. So a little story. So our youth group, we go to Change Conference in Toronto in October. So we've gone there two years in a row. Um, we went this year, and there was a presentation on Alpha. So Alpha is a 12-week course um, that kind of is an intro to Christianity and Jesus and all things about the church. So they put out this challenge to the teenagers there to start an Alpha program at your school. And one of our amazing youth, Brittany Rattleband, see her up here leading worship over here, one of those. Um, Yeah, she's over here leading worship, but yeah, you know who she is. Um, she's like, Brennan, I want to I wanna start an alpha at my school, and let's do it together. So we're like, hey, we're going to start an alpha at your school. We're going to do it together. So she went to school, talked to some people, talked to the principal. I sent some emails, and we were met with a hard no. No way your youth pastor cannot come into school and tell kids about Jesus. So done. Not an inspiring story. Uh, <laughs> but then something cool happened. Something cool happened. What happened was that Brittany took stock of where she was and what she had. Brittany realized that, okay, I'm at school. I have a lunch time. I'm already here. I have the ability to put in this USB with all the alpha videos. I have a passion for Jesus, and I have friends to invite to this thing. So Brittany started it up on her own, and it has been such an amazing story that we've heard this year. So she ran alpha all year, and then she started a Bible study after And it has been so cool to hear stories of just these Christian kids 
getting together at lunchtime, talking about Jesus and realizing that they are not the only ones at their school trying to live differently and trying to live for him. And there's even been kids who have come out to this that have been in class, they've just been outright harsh against um, the kids with any faith. They've showed up to this Bible study and they've started asking questions and they're one step closer on their journey with Jesus. Yep. It's cool. It is cool. So it's easy to put things off. It's easy to say like, okay, well, I'll start a, I'll start a Bible study at my school when the youth pastor can come or whatever. But God wants to use you right now. He wants to use you where you are with what you have and not to wait for when conditions are perfect because if you've lived life for any amount of time, we all know that conditions are never perfect. Am I right? Yep. All right. And this is what Second Peter says. Is that what Second Peter says that I have? <laughs> I'm going to read it off my paper. <laughs> okay. By his divine power, <clears throat> God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So we have all that we need for living out this lifelong calling of following Jesus. So if we go back a bit in the story to Exodus 3.11, Moses asks this question of God. So Moses says, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. So Moses asked the question, God, but who am I? Who am I to lead your people like this? I'm, I'm, I'm just a shepherd. Who am I? And God's answer is very interesting. He doesn't do what I'm doing right now. He doesn't give him a three-point sermon and say, Moses, you are a masterpiece, and you're positioned, and look what's in your hand. You have a staff, and you're amazing. You can do this. He doesn't say any of that. God just says, I'm, I'm with you. Like, that's not even a good answer to that question. If you were to ask me, he said, who am I? And I said, well, I'm Brennan. Like, that's confusing. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But when God answers this question, I will be with you. It's the answer that Moses needed. We feel inadequate to accomplish these things that God has called us to do, just like Moses felt inadequate. And that feeling of being inadequate to do the things that God has called us to do is the very reason that you'll be able to live out this calling on your life. Because when we get to the end of ourselves, when we get to the point where we realize where we are and what we have. This is the stuff that God has for us to work with. When we realize what we have and where we are, and then we invite God into it, we give it to God. That's where we see God do some amazing things because you and I, we can't change people. We can't make an eternal and lasting differences in their life, but God can do that, and only God can do that. Because God wants to show the world who he is through you 
through wherever and whatever your context is, God wants to show his grace, his love, and his peace all through you wherever and whatever your context is. So do what is natural. Do what you do every day and invite Jesus into it. So when you have this purpose that drives everything that you do, it brings purpose to what may have once seemed purposeless. Because when you have this purpose, when you know why you're doing what you're doing, it helps you to know what you should and shouldn't be doing. Say that again. When you know why you're doing what you are doing, it helps you to know what you should and shouldn't be doing. It's like the vision we have for the church. This vision, vision it literally means what it's supposed to look like. So we have a vision for our church, and we have opportunities coming our way all the time. People wanting us to do stuff, other people not wanting us to do stuff. There's always opportunities coming. But we look at the vision, and we know, okay, that fits. We should do that. That doesn't fit. We shouldn't do that. That fits. That fits. That fits. It clarifies. Calling clarifies everything that you do. And it energizes you. That's the part about bringing purpose to what once seemed purposeless. I don't know if you guys have ever had trouble motivating yourself to do anything. Maybe? Nope, just me. Okay. This illustration isn't going to work then. <laughs> you have. I'm sure you have. If you've ever had trouble motivating yourself to do anything, I remember when I was a kid, there was stuff I just didn't like to do. Um, like cleaning my room, particularly my homework. Didn't enjoy that. Um, so I would do it sometimes, wouldn't do it other times, would do it half-heartedly. Um, but then if there was a moment where I hadn't done that and my parents would say, okay, you can't go hang out with your friends until you've done this. Man, I would do it. I would do it so well, my room would be looking fine, my homework would be done with no errors, and I would get it done. Or if you've ever tried to lose weight and haven't had a goal set out for yourself, and that's really hard to do. But then once you're losing weight to fit into your wedding tux or your wedding dress, that'll motivate you because no one wants to wear sweatpants for a wedding. You'll get it done. <laughs> But on a more serious note, um, so my job here, sometimes it just feels like I'm all over the place. Um, whether it's car show or counting like $5,000 in bills and coins the other week, that was exhausting. Didn't, and I counted it wrong, actually. I counted it way lower. Good thing we have Diana here. She counted it up. <laughs> whether I'm doing that or I'm planning junior high or senior high or young adults or this international missions trip that we're doing in the summer, um, I, sometimes I just feel like I'm all over the place and I'm just like, what am I doing? Um, but in those moments, I just ask myself, Brennan, why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? And the answer is that all these things that I do I do to make Jesus famous. That is why I do what I do. And so even if it's vacuuming up chips or dirt and milk that we did in the junior high game upstairs that got all over the floor that we didn't tell anyone about until now, like, <laughs> I did it for Jesus. I did it to make Jesus famous. There was a point. <laughs> uh, where am I? Um, over here. Okay. Yeah, and that goes for all of us. It's not, it sounds like it might just be easy because I'm in ministry and it's like, oh, of course it's easy to bring Jesus into your job, but 
just as much as you guys, we have to maintain focus and remind ourselves, why do we do what we do? And we do it for Jesus. And you guys can do that in every area of life. And that is what we're talking about today, living with purpose. So just to wrap things up, so the story of Moses at the burning bush begins with one day Moses was tending the flock. So one day Moses was just out there. He was walking through the desert, doing whatever shepherds do, following the sheep and protecting them. Um, Just what he did every day. And then he had this burning bush experience. It was one day that Moses just stepped into his calling. So I believe there's people here today that today is that day that you're going to just step into it. This will be your one day. This will be the day where you just let Jesus into the rest of your life. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. This is an everyday thing. Um, Because God's got stuff for us. And so exciting when you hook up something that seems so simple to something, to God who is so amazing. You hook up what you do every day to this calling over your life. That brings purpose to what seems purposeless. And there's some people here today, you're like, wow, I I totally get that because I lived that. That was me. But I don't feel like that's me anymore. This morning, it might just be the, the time to hit the reset button. Time to just start over. And God's ready to start over with you. This could be your one day. And then I know that there's some other people here. You just don't believe that God wants to use you. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. God wants to use you. Like I said in Ephesians, you're his masterpiece. So for those of you who are in that boat right now, I'd encourage you to open your Bible up. Because you know what's cool about your Bible? It's not just a list of stuff that like you should and shouldn't do. That stuff's in there. But it's a book of the revelation of Jesus. It's a book that points you to Jesus. And once you meet Jesus, Jesus will tell you who you are. Jesus will tell you that you are his masterpiece and he wants to use you in everything that you've been through for his glory. It's just as the worship team comes up. Romans 12 in the message says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So just as we go back into worship, I'll just encourage you guys to just take a moment with God. Start to think about where has he positioned you? Where has God positioned you? And what do you already have? Not, do you, not what do you want to have in your hand so that you can serve God in the way that you want. But how has God positioned you today to serve? How has God positioned you today to live with purpose? To go out and do these things it is calling all of us to do. Because you are positioned and you have what you need and God is with you. Let's pray.
God, we thank you so much. We just, we thank you that you want, you want to work with us, God. The creator of the universe, you've made a way for us to interact with you, to find purpose in what seems purposeless sometimes. So God, I thank you for everyone here today. I thank you um, for all the relationships that they have. I thank you for the, the places of work that they have, the, the spheres of influence, the people that only they can reach quite the way that they can reach them, God. I pray that you would just give us ideas, God ideas, about how we can hook up our everyday into your purpose, Lord. Um, so I just pray that you would work on people's hearts right now and that we would just hear stories of people living out their calling in their everyday life, their everyday ordinary, because we are positioned and we have what we need, especially when you are with us.